Stardate 0303.2022. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod. Kind of smart, kind of funny podcast about new and classic Star Trek. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have... Mariah Gossett. Clyde Haynes. All right. This week, we are streaming the pod live on YouTube, as we do, as we try to do every Thursday. Uh, this is going to be a special episode. We're covering two uh, episodes of brand new Star Trek this week because Paramount Plus decided to give us an abundance of riches. Uh, we're getting two Star Trek shows on at the same time. For the first time since like Voyager and DS9 were airing simultaneously, probably. I think so. Unless you're counting yeah. um, uh, Prodigy and Discovery at the same time. No. Um, so, okay. okay. First, li- first two live action shows airing at there the same go. time. There of course, like is. Count Discovery and Prodigy. Those are kick-ass shows. Gotta Especially be Prodigy, which we haven't talked about a lot, but I, I do enjoy Prodigy. Um, but yeah, we're talking about the return of Jean-Luc Picard in season two, the season two premiere of Picard, uh, which dropped today on Paramount Plus. And we'll also make some time to talk about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery season four. Rosetta. I have a feeling we might talk a little bit more about Picard uh, before we dive into it. Um, Clyde, can you remind folks about the live chat? Well, if you are joining us live, whether that's on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, and you want to participate, want to hang out with us, want to let us know what you're thinking, want to share your thoughts, ask us questions, then you can simply type in capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in the chat, and we will get to your comments. Now, when it comes to that faithful time and you want to share that thing that they share, when we share what we share, you know what I'm talking about. You just have to type capital H, capital F, capital HF in the pod and in the chat and we'll get to your HF. All right. Um, You know what? Let's just dive into the, the conversation, the discussion, the review of Picard season two, episode one, with some um some hot freaks. All right, if you're new here, uh other podcasts have hot takes. We're a Star Trek podcast, so we have hot freaks. And let's talk about this this Picard premiere. Um, anyone want to want to dive in first? Oh, and yeah, like Clyde said, listeners, um, drop your hot freaks in the comments. We'll we'll talk about them too. Mariah, all you. All right, I'll go. I um, yeah. I mean, there was lots of stuff I really enjoyed. I thought it was a really strong comeback uh, from the first season. We had a time jump, which I always kind of appreciate, especially um, when we sort of left off with a lot of uh, like this. The book had been closed on that story, right? So we're starting fresh. We're starting new. They definitely said we're starting fresh and we're starting new with this episode. and we get the team back together in an interesting way. We get a little bit of catch up. My biggest qualm is I didn't get to see Seven and Rafi together. I have uh, I have complaints. I, I need uh, the the 1-800 number for the complaints department because <laughs> <laughs> I have them. And I, uh, yeah, I, I think we're, we're getting into some interesting territories. I'm excited to talk to you all about my, my some theories. And, uh, and I loved having Guinan back. Uh, I thought there was, there were some things that I thought could have been stronger, but I overall, I'd give it like a, like a, like on a spicy meter, I'd give it like a, a a medium spicy. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the five chili peppers on the menu, but it was, it was still good. Mm. Clyde, was this a, a a ghost pepper for you or a medium spicy? This episode in particular, I don't know that it was like a ghost pepper. But it was hot. And and I think what I'm really interested in is it's set up well, right? I think for me, what was really surprising is, look, I'm just, I'm going to put it out there. When I think about what we saw in season one to what we got in season two, I'm going to tell the pod what I said to you guys, which is, what the hell happened? Like, what transpired because Mariah to your point talk about a restart listen no disrespect intended but this feels like a new show 
right? This felt like someone really did press the reset button and said, okay, we, we've, I, like, I love it. Like, I, you know, I feel like they learned from their, I don't want to call them mistakes, but they took a look at what they did, they thought about what they were trying to do and said, okay, let's retool this. I'm very impressed by where we've gone. Um, and I think it sets up well. For the first time in a long time, I'm incredibly interested in where this story goes. And I think that there are a couple things that we've been talking about since season one ended, and we started getting teasers and hints and looking at the, the staff. Like, this could have been a, a bit of a mess, right? So you, we knew that John Delancey and Whoopi Goldberg were coming back to reprise roles of Q and Guinan. And so we knew that. They could have strung that out for three, four episodes, and they gave them to us both in episode one, which tells me that this isn't about cheap parlor tricks. This isn't about guest stars. And again, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade, right? But Brent Spiner and um, Jonathan um, Frakes, that wasn't critical to the story last season. Like it popped up and was like, okay, it was cool. We're getting homage to TNG. They said we're gonna get that stuff out of the way, episode one, because we got story to tell. And that was that's what's exciting to me. Now, you know, I wasn't excited. Like we things that we talked about, like we wanted to know what's up with Laris. You know, how come how come Laris got so very little play in you know season one? And now we we see her front and center in season two, and again. While she was there, she uh, got a, not a lot of play, if you get my drift. I just don't understand why Picard didn't, but he, he completely fumbled that. That was a mistake. Yeah. Um, completely, like, dude, like, you're old as sand, and she's throwing herself at you, and you I mean, just kind of... Technically, up. he's a year and a half old, right? Like, his synth body is like a... True, true, true. <laughs> I mean, take that body out for a spin, man. See what it can do. Yeah, um, see what it can do. So I mean, but you know, that's at least they they gave us a little bit of something because they they knew that this is stuff that we were we were paying attention to, right? We got to see and look, you know, there's a a comment in the chat that I agree with about I, I did need the drop us into chaos and then back us up and go 48 hours earlier. I don't know that I needed that, um, but it was really cool to see the where are they now. <laughs> Like I, I don't know. I'm goofy. I like that. But to see Rios and to see Gerardi and even uh Soji, like to see all those to see where everybody was was really kind of cool. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you, Clyde. I uh maybe it was the, that I went in with lowered expectations because I wasn't the biggest fan of season one. There's great bits of season one, but as a whole, it just didn't work for me. But this this was awesome. This was really good. Um, this episode reminded me of two of my favorite Star Trek movies in tone, in vibe, maybe even in intention. It reminded me of Star Trek First Contact, the one where Picard fights the Borg. And it's, it's, Frakes did a great job with the pacing of that as a director. And he did a great job with the cinematography as well. And the story was nice and tight. And it was also a celebration of everything Star Trek was at that point, because that was at a, a key anniversary for the franchise when that movie came out and it was celebrating the, the greatness of star Trek. Everything we love about it was just on screen deliberately. And they were making the fans happy while also um, giving us a, uh, giving the, the general audience a story they could enjoy. And I think that's what's happening here. Also my, it's also like star Trek four where um the whales one where the original crew just has this kind of lived in familial vibe and it feels kind of like chill and kind of goofy and kind of relaxed, even though there's all this chaos happening because unlike the first season, which makes sense because all these new characters are getting to know each other. So are the actors, but this season already it's clear that these actors are gelling. These characters have a history. They have a shorthand with each other. Um, the chemistry between all of them is 
such a joy to watch. Clyde, you always talk about like you want you want your crew together, and we got a crew in this. We like at the end, it felt like we artificially got a crew with it, a real crew with this with Rios and with Girati and Seven, Rafi, Elnor, and Picard. It kind of didn't didn't feel like they were, you know, homies, but in this episode, it it felt right, you know, when uh when Rios is is kind of letting Girati do her thing on his ship and he's like, Yeah, just let her let her do her thing. And they're having this little shorthand. That felt so great. And it it just made me root for these characters. Like I like the characters in this show more than ever. Um and the show is having fun. It's celebrating Star Trek. It's giving us this cool, familial, chill vibe from the cast. And it's giving us a, a pretty interesting mystery story. Not to mention that Q's back. Fucking shit up. Not to mention the Borg are back and in a different way. And I am very excited to see how different the Borg are going to be in this series. And how the show is going to use them in a fresh way. Because even aside from the visuals of the Borg... Everything we got of the Borg here was new and different and surprising. Um, the Borg Queen actually beams into the ship. Tentacles come out. She's like zapping shit. And she looks like a villain from the Matrix with like a black face. Like it was wild. And it was very surprising. Uh, guys, I liked it. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, Mike, you mentioned um, the team up. You know, I do love a good team up. And there's a, a sci-fi book series, The the Expanse, um, that they turned into a show. And my biggest critique is, in the book, you get characters who really know each other. And when they know each other, they care about each other. So you understand why they do the stuff that they do. And I didn't think that that, that translated that well into the, into the TV production of it. That's what I felt like we got last year, right? I think in, in the last season, it was these characters who were thrown together, but I didn't believe that they cared for one another, Yeah, right? And, and I think when you have a team, and that's the thing that I think when we look back at whether it was TNG, whether it was Voyager, whether it was DS9, and even Enterprise, what we got is they quickly moved from people thrown together to people who would put their lives on the line for one another. Um, yeah. I feel like we're getting that now. And there can and still be conflict. It feels like in Picard, we have that vibe where I'll jump in front of a phaser for this person, but I can still have conflict with that person and different ideas. So it feels richer. And and I mean, to the to your point, Clyde, about like now these characters all care about each other, right? Is like th- these shows don't get 22, 24 episode series buys anymore. So, you know, you felt that probably seemed like it moved quicker in those shows in some ways because it just had more time to on screen together versus like you just had one singular season. And now we have all of these characters who, who seemingly, who, who, who do care about each other. Um, but I did think it was an interesting reset. I feel like we, we, uh, I'm hoping we get some more development about, um, like it feels like a big 180 for characters like Rafi and for Rios who went from being a little bit more, uh, you know, swash, buckler like i don't know like rebel rousing you know to now wearing starfleet uniforms and how that is going to sort of inform their their characters moving forward um i did love that seven went back to uh working for the ferris rangers and kind of getting to see her in action over there i really enjoyed that that piece of it but um yeah i think it's going to be i'm excited for the series i uh to see like how they're going to be playing with time. What, what I took from it pretty early on is we are finally going to get Picard's full childhood backstory, which I don't Mm -hmm. think Hmm. I am not as familiar with Picard, but I did a ton of reading today to make sure I wasn't going to miss speak about that. We've never really heard anything about his father. Um, And uh, seeing his mother and and now we have a full uh, <laughs> a full backstory for where his English accent comes from. He has a <laughs> mom with an English accent. But yeah. um, what was also very funny to me, I don't know if y'all have watched the series um, Single Drunk Female, but the p- actress who plays Picard's mom in 
Picard now also plays this very silly character in that show. And so I was like, whoa, (laughs) you are not the same person, but you look exactly the same. Um, Tonal dissonance for you. So like opposite spectrum. It was very funny to see that. But but yeah, seemingly there's a really dark, a darkness there. And Mm -hmm. like, um, so I think similar to we'll, we'll get into it when we start talking about discovery but what i thought was interesting about both episodes today is they both seem to play on the idea of like um familial past trauma and That's so true. seemingly going into this we have to go back to our past to fix the future right is this big theme that is happening in this season of picard and um i'm, I'm really interested to see how this all plays out hey you, mariah I, you know you you when you talk about kind of the team up and it feeling like it was short, one of the things that I thought about was your favorite show, right? And that is Voyager in that they did not like each other for a long time. (laughs) Well, I guess that's the thing. I mean, I'm, I'm, you're having me rethink it because it felt to your point, it felt like you had two people who were enemies thrown together. And in a couple episodes, they kind of started to gel, but maybe I'm looking at, maybe I remember that wrong. I thought they did a phenomenal job of bringing bringing a, a misfit, you know, gang of of people together and gelling. But maybe maybe it did take longer than I remember. There was definitely some tension as the series went on, yeah, between the Maquis and the Starfleet people for sure. That was one of the cooler things about that show. Mm-hmm. Mariah, you mentioned the going back to Picard's childhood, and and there's a there's a line in this episode where. Picard beams up to the stargazer or lands it docks at the stargazer. And he's like, I feel like my life is coming full circle. And it's like, he's talking to the audience because we're finally going all the way back to where his real trauma lies. Right. Maybe even um, recontextualizing why he went out into space. Um, And it lies with some darkness with his family. Obviously it seems like there was an abusive uh, father issue potentially, which is very interesting, and in I didn't, I didn't think we'd go there. But I'm, I think if if they're going to talk about childhood trauma and incorporate the character or the theme of parental abuse or an abusive father, sorry, I got a bunny chewing a box over here. <laughs> um, I want to say that this show might actually handle it with care and grace because um, Patrick Stewart grew up with an abusive father. And he's been very vocal about it for the past several years mm-hmm. to the point where um, I believe he he works to raise awareness for um, children uh, who come from abusive homes and for um, women who are, are abused domestically by men. I think that's a very um, that's a passion that he holds dear advocating for those causes. And he is a producer on this show. So if they're going to go deep into that, um, I think it is going to be real and it is going to be emotional. It, it will land, which I, I didn't think this show would do, but it's surprising and it's ambitious and it's good. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think about that aspect? Well, Mike, I think you you hit on something that's that I think is really interesting. And Mariah, I think you mentioned it, too. You know, when they go back, when he goes back to the Stargazer, that has a, a significant meaning for for us old timey star star trek fans mm-hmm. um and that's because we've always felt like the stargazer was the epicenter of picard's trauma for lack of a better word right like right. that was his his first you know shot at at leadership and he failed right the ship i, I think taken Right. The Ferengi, the Ferengi beat him. Mm-hmm. Well, and and Beverly Crusher's, you know, Beverly Crusher's husband died, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. this was this was supposed to be the thing that changed him to become the the captain he became, right? right. This this first failed attempt at leadership really kind of focused him and changed who he was, right? So for I think for a long time we felt like Star Trek post TOS started with the Stargazer. And now what we're going is going, no, 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 no. That's not the beginning, right? The beginning is we're going to go back to his childhood. And that is that is new. 
This this is this is new for all of us to go. We are going to uncover where his trauma, where where he was formed, where these things happened, um, and it's an interesting ride. And I think you're right, Mike. We're we're diving into something that's a bit darker, little, probably a little bit more relatable. I don't know how many of us can relate with failing as a starship captain. Um, yeah. And then I thought it was interesting, and we'll probably get into this a little bit later. But we see elements of that in both shows tonight. Mm-hmm. Right. When we think about mm-hmm. Detmer and her past. So it's interesting when, you know, when we think about kind of the, the meta messages that are being um, kind of presented to us. I love that you both of you picked up on that thread of the, uh, you know, familial trauma coming coming to a head on screen in both shows this week. Um, before we dive in more, I'm going to jump into some of these hot freaks from our listeners. P.W. Gregory, Clyde, you alluded to this earlier. Hot freak. Uh, I just wish they didn't begin with the scene in the beginning before they pull the old 48 hours earlier trope. Keep the reveal for longer. I like the in media res beginning in this. I know, I know it's a trope, but I, it really, for me, what it did was present the almost big screen worthy, action cinematography to me right away and that really pulled me in and made me think wow this is going to be a big deal so i like that opening yeah do you think they just didn't want to start the exact same way the first season was which is the pan down onto the vineyard (laughs) because that that was like the the second scene right yeah like okay back to the vineyard we'll play some uh, motown to your point i have to say (laughs) there's something inside me that yawns every time I see that vineyard. I'm just like, <laughs> oh my god! It's like it is probably my least favorite set in all of Star Trek. Like, At least it wasn't just Picard like alone in the vineyard. Like there was actually action rate. going on in the vineyard. People it was were harvest season. People were harvesting. There, there was a little story there. They were finishing the end of harvest season, and it brought us right into that nice scene with Laris after a, a job well done, a day of hard work. Um. And she goes or, in for the kiss and is cold faced. <laughs> I just don't get it. Like, you know, I, what do you guys think about about that? The fact Star Trek has dealt with this a little bit before. The fact that John Luke never had a family, never opened up his heart truly to anybody, is always kind of guarded. <laughs> we dealt with this last season a little bit, but it seems like the show is really focusing on Picard. You never settle down with uh, someone you love. Why not? And what well, what 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 has broken your heart, Picard, that you can't give yourself to somebody? Vosh. I, <laughs> I hope they. Where I hope they take it though is that Picard figured out how to love a lot of people instead of having to just be with one person. Because I do think it's like a. It's it's like disappointing the idea that you aren't a fully realized person if you didn't like get married and have kids, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. I don't think that that has to be true for you to have lived a long and fulfilling life. Um, you know, I do think they're probably leaning into it with his whole speech of like, I am the last Picard, like <laughs> this whole thing, you know, who knows, perhaps by going into the future, something's going to change and he's going to wake up in the correct timeline with like a, a a wife and children who knows. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think he, there's obviously some, some trauma there. He's had romance and romantic relationships throughout the series for sure. Um, so I think it'll be, I, I am interested in what his hesitation is with, with Laris. If it's just like, Hey, like we work together and like your husband that you were betrothed to from birth died a year ago. <laughs> like, yeah. And he was my friend. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot of like, maybe I should wait on this there between him and Lars, but, but she's like, Hey, I'm over that. It's my culture to move on. Let's do this. So, but then um, he's probably going to go like save her and realize he has feelings for her. And you know, I think he already realizes it, but he's, he, he's afraid. All we were talking about at that moment was a kiss, right? Like, a couple things can happen. You could kiss and then go, "Mm, this feels a little weird. Maybe (laughs) we should stop. 
but there were definitely during the vineyard scenes a few looks at each other where you kind of get the glances. vibe of like longing looks and the kiss would be a confirmation of okay we both feel this way let's move forward so and he's here, not there here's my thing in that okay so you could kiss her and y'all could try it and then it doesn't work out and you're like oh it's all awkward maybe one of us should leave or you could not kiss her wake up the next morning it's all awkward and then one of you decides to leave yeah yeah you're right you're right <laughs> mm -hmm. um more hot freaks mr joseph 45 says picard really knocked it out of the park with its opening episode it was so much fun and it was great to see ships from Star Trek Online canonized. The ships look dope yeah. in this. Like, mm -hmm. oh, Clyde will be back in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the ships look really dope in this. I like at first, like with the Stargazer having like four nacelles on mm -hmm. top of the other. I was like, oh, that's a little garish. But the second time I watched it, I was like, actually, that looks dope. I like it. Yeah, and it follows, like, if you look at the progression of the Stargazer models that we've seen throughout time, I thought it was a logical progression there. I um, I liked seeing all of the different ships. I know there's people who have been, like, analyzing those screenshots to figure out what's in there, and there's some fun Easter eggs, um, including, I, I just pulled up a bunch of the Easter eggs. It was yep. uh, Hikaru Sulu, uh, mm -hmm. a ship named after Sulu. Which is great. Yes. And I and I also saw in the credits like there was a thank you to Star Trek Online, which I know like I'm I'm not a big video game person, but I know that community was like really stoked online today to see um stuff that they've, you know some of the ships. Yeah, some of the ships and different things that they've been uh working with. So that's really cool. Um I was also gonna bring up, I thought did y'all uh did y'all sneak a peek at the book that he grabbed for Elnor? Yeah, it was written by Spock. Yes. It was about Spock's Spock, I guess it's his, his first years academy. in the academy and mm -hmm. and trying to integrate. Yeah, I thought that was a I missed that. Hmm. That was a beautiful gift. That was a beautiful moment, I thought. Mm -hmm. Um it, it's now that you tell me it, it's a beautiful moment, I can look back and go, oh, it's a yeah. beautiful moment. At the time I was thinking, Picard it, given it's books. Called, it's called <laughs> The Many and the One. Yeah, that's oh, the that's name so of the good. Book. That's so good. Yeah, he even says this was written by Spock, and it's about his, uh, you know, coming to being the first Vulcan in the Academy. Um, and I like that progression for for Elnor. Let's talk about where our characters are now. Um, Marge says Rios in a Starfleet uniform? Question mark. I know Mariah, you mentioned this. It's kind of weird, but um, I think it's cool. I Santiago Cabrera is like my MVP. In this episode, first playing Emmett at the beginning, which is just fucking hilarious. And then, of course, rocking it as Rios. He still has an edge to him. He's still like chomping on a cigar and kind of shaggy, even though he's a Starfleet captain. It'd and really I like annoying seeing... to have someone smoking a cigar in a, on the bridge. <laughs> he didn't light it. He didn't light it. He was he, flipping he, the lighter on and on. Didn't he give it a little? A little I don't remember. Toasty. Maybe. Feel like Maybe, but come on, it's a space cigar. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's not real. It's synthetic, probably. But I, I think he kept his edge and his vibe. Um, but he did seem like he was in a better place, which I wanted for that character. And it also seems like the actors just having a blast doing it. So I like seeing Rios in Starfleet without completely changing the character. It just seemed like a progression for him. Well, I, I thought, I, I thought he absolutely kept his edge, and it's, it's very different. Um, I think what's interesting is, you know, we look at these, these shows and we always think about the Mount Rushmore of Starfleet captains. We think about who, who's on the, the roll call of Starfleet fleet captains. I don't know where we're going to put Rios. I don't know if he's included in that. And part of what I noticed was when you talk about that edge, Mike, is he shot far differently than any other captain, right? Like mm -hmm. a lot of times when you think about whether it's Cisco or Janeway or or Kirk or Archer or Picard, they're shot straight on where they're the sole focus. And I feel like one, Rios is always shot a little wider. So you see him in context of the ship and the lighting, his lighting aboard what whether the Stargazer or the Serena is always darker right it's always like moody and edgy and he just doesn't quite fit but i dug that here because often we think of you join starfleet and you change you 
for lack of a better word, assimilate to Starfleet, right? And the one thing I thought we got here was really neither Eleanor or Rios assimilated into Starfleet, right? They're still kind of them, mm-hmm. right? I'm 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 hoping that we see some, you know, murder nun-ish in El in Elnor. <laughs> and he's not completely dulled by wearing they, that outfit. But. They're still definitely them because as Puds38 points out, Rios's engage phrase is dale, which was amazing. Like when I heard that, I was like, yes, because I say that around the house. Like <laughs> when it's time to leave or it's time to cook, I'm like, dale. I'm like, yes. You know, I was like, that's perfect. I loved it. Mariah, how, where are you, how are you feeling with uh, where our characters are and their progression? I mean, I'm. Uh, I feel like the character I'm the most concerned for is Girardi because we see her sort of playing almost second fiddle to. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her name. Soji, really, Soji, and uh, kind of but then touring Soji's around. Out. Soji's not yet in there for now, but we know that that's not going to stay the same. Um, but she's like drunk, touting like obviously has some ex-boyfriend issues, some murdered ex-boyfriend issues, like many, <laughs> many issues going on and somehow still manages to get onto the deck and starts like messing with tech while a little drunk. I was a little like, okay, I see you're trying to like maybe curve a little favor with your, your ex-girlfriend here, Rios, but like, I don't know if she should be translating some Borg materials while <laughs> while inebriated. Yeah, um, she's she's clearly. I like that she is on the ship. But she is not part of Starfleet. You know, I mean, she's mm-hmm. her she's her own thing. She she's works like for an the ambassador mm-hmm. institute. Yeah, she's like a, a yeah, like an ambassador or a, a just somebody who comes in and, and helps out. Yeah, it's interesting doing to her me- own thing they've sort of flipped almost like where Girardi and Rafi were at the beginnings of the first season, you know, like now Rafi sort of like seemed to have qualmed some of her inner demons and is now working at Starfleet Academy. And she's like watching Elnor and keeping an eye on him. And now Girardi is just like off traveling the galaxy, getting drunk at different bars while Soji charms people to be like, see, androids aren't all that bad. (laughs) Yeah. I, I did want more from Michelle for Michelle Hurd as Rafi mm-hmm. in this episode. Hopefully we'll get more from her uh, as the series goes on. But yeah, Rafi was just kind of there. Yeah. Oh, I'm taking care of Elnor. Yeah. That, that might be my one complaint for sure. Uh, Chupi had a, a Chupi in our chat has a answer to your question of Clyde of what happened this season that made Picard good. And Chupi says, what happened was a really long time to write over the pandemic. Uh, I mean, maybe so. I mean, you're you're probably right. I don't know if they actually had that much extra time because they've been filming through most of the pandemic and they, I think, are just about done shooting season three because they're just like, yeah, they're going through through it. Uh, Marge was talking about the cinematography, saying it's beautiful, um, very film like. Yeah, this thing, kind of like disco, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it looks like a big screen action movie it's great yeah you, you know another thing about the cinematography is that it's it's evolved to the point where it's reflective of of who we are today as a tv watching community mm-hmm. um and that's because like the pacing is very different um what we're seeing like you know we talk about that we don't like the the 48 hours flashback but what we do see is we're dropped pretty much right into the middle of a space battle, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're looking at the ship. Ships are moving around. Like, we're in the middle of the, the the heat. And at the end, you know, we're back into this battle. That's very much a reflection of a little bit of our attention spans today. But what yeah. we expect when we watch um, kind of a, a space opera, whereas if you think about it, like, how long was it in TNG before we got a real space battle? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 big action scene in TNG was when in in the TNG premiere was when the uh, saucer section slowly separated from the rest <laughs> of the ship for like 8 minutes. Which I liked. And I the jellyfish. And the oh, jellyfish. Yeah, the jellyfish. <laughs> I mean the real action came at Farpoint Station 
when Q was putting them on trial. That was the real action. Yeah. Right. It really wasn't the, it wasn't the action didn't place, didn't take place on the ship here. We're jumped right into it. Um, And that's kind of cool. Like it's just, it's a different vibe altogether. Okay. So I, I felt like the fan service in this episode didn't feel too fan servicey. Uh, maybe the, the biggest thing that, that felt fan servicey was Guinan. I love Whoopi Goldberg. I love Guinan. And they did a pretty okay job of making Picard going to talk to Guinan and get her counsel work with the story. But it also felt like we just kind of want to get Whoopi in here. But I, I, I'm not yeah. mad at it. No, I'm, hoping, oh, I'm hoping she pops up uh, like maybe one or two more times throughout the season because then I think it'll feel more earned like this yeah. whole I'm going back to to talk to a confidant or maybe she's going to be able to help them in some way. Uh, along their journey as they go back in time. Um, but I did, I love the bar. I thought the set design was great. There's a lot of really fun, like Easter eggs in that bar, like the, the logger sign, the Andorian, Andorian. And there's a logger sign that's like from the search for Spock. Oh, cool. Oh and, yeah. Um, yeah. Production design went, like ham on Easter eggs, y'all. Like if yeah. you watch enough scenes and I've seen some stuff on Twitter where it's like the floral plate that is behind Picard and some shots of his house is like from a hologram that he used to have of his hat. Anyway, it's just like wow. they really, the attention to detail is really incredible. Um, my biggest thing is that they pulled like a set. You took two, characters who don't age and basically gave me the same excuse for both characters to then look older and i wish it was just because like Whoopi still looks pretty good and so yeah. i was just like you could have easily just been like yes i do age slower that well, that was enough that would have been me. it yeah yep. i don't need like a i've decided thing and then it would have made the Q snap, oh, I'll match you thing feel a little bit funnier. I think then the joke, the Q joke of it all would have been like more earned. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I struggle with the, like, I, you know, look, I love Whoopi. I, you know, I'm not going to complain about Whoopi being on the show in any, in any context. I do think they could have given her a little bit more to do. Um, I think they could have integrated her in the story because my issue is if you cut that scene, you don't lose anything in this yeah. episode. And you, that, that's uh, yeah. the problem with me. Because like, I, I didn't necessarily need, oh, you need to look inside yourself. I didn't need that. I yeah. didn't really need that for the rest of the story. I think for me as a fan, like um, Picard goes to Guinan when he really needs some counsel, when there's something really weighing on him, and maybe sometimes when he's lost. So that to me was a signal of that, right? So it worked for me that way. The other issue I had was... Um, did it have to be a bar? Like, like she's so, going to spend all this time with, as my a bartender? Spouse, my spouse what? is like, what would have been the better future Guinan is if she was a bud tender? Like, oh, like yeah. go to a weed shop. <laughs> I would have laughed at that. I, I was just I, like, I absolutely would have laughed. I'm like, at this point, you can probably buy that at the grocery store. <laughs> you know, I don't and think. Like, Rafi's like, in the corner, like, smoking out. Having it a just, great time. <laughs> It just like I, I get that it was kind of like this homage to to her ten being forward, ten forward, yeah. but yeah. I was just like, really, I like all this time, I didn't need that. Yeah, back at a bar, like she could have been, been cool anywhere. House. Yeah, it really, she could have been anywhere. And I think about when you think about all the other characters, when we think about that, that TNG cast, they've all graduated, mm-hmm. they've all moved on, they've all you know increased in rank, oh. increased in family. She's <laughs> still tending bar. Uh, running on. a casino or something would have been yes. cool. Like, I don't know. But there's also, I, I get it though. There is like a, I don't know. I have friends who have been, who are like professional, like they have been bartenders for a long time and like that is who they are and it's what they do. Yeah. And like, I definitely get like when that is your profession of choice in a way. At least but- they, yeah, I get that. I think it's okay. I, I'm just happy they didn't like make her like the host of a call in show, like giving advice, like Frasier or something cheesy like that. Yeah. Like, that would have been better. They should have made her a podcast host. That would have been the better. podcast <laughs> host. Uh, about Guinan, Takako says in the TNG episode yesterday's Enterprise, Guinan was the only one who noticed a change in the timeline. Guinan must be on Earth 
of the alternate past so that Picard can seek her out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Guinan, as an Alarian, she has those extrasensory capabilities. So when we do get the the what looks like a reset of time, uh, an alternate timeline at the end of this episode, you know, maybe Guinan's the one they need to seek out. Okay. Real quick, guys, we're getting to the we're getting yeah. to the end of the hour. We need to talk about discovery a little bit. Yes, <laughs> but but tell me about what you thought about Q, and if you have any theories about the timeline reset that we saw at the end of this episode. Oh, and the Borg. Oh my gosh, so much to fit in. I mean, the, the they had the like coming up on Picard thing, right? So apparently, mm-hmm. they have to go to Los Angeles twenty twenty four, which is not that far. It's two years in the future from right now. Um, so something that happens within that time frame is going to set us off on this authoritarian regime or whatever, uh, fe- very far distant future. And they have the solar shield and all this stuff. And so my theory is we're getting our save the whale season mm-hmm. and it's not going to be whales. It's going to be climate change. <laughs> it's going to be something. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. Save the spotted owl. If you are new to the podcast and you don't understand why I'm looking or sounding the way I am, I love Star Trek. Everyone knows this. I'm a huge fan. How are you going to hate them damn whales? The best. I think they're just going back in time to kill Joe Rogan. That's what they're going (laughs) to do. I I think you know it, it's funny because I keep hearing I, I I heard I watched the episode a couple times I heard the the 2024 and Mariah until you said it it didn't dawn on me that that is two years from now I hate this like <laughs> I hate when they go we're gonna go back in time oh it's to just the present yeah. they all My do favorite. it they all do it oh, and I hate it I love it here's love the reason it. why I hate it here's the reason why I hate it. Cause, cause I'm that guy. Cause you don't like years joy. From now, ten years from now, when I'm rewatching this episode, I'm gonna get annoyed. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right? I, I much, I, I much more prefer when they go. We're gonna go back in time to like twenty one, twenty four, right? <laughs> like no, in I'm First kidding. Contact. Yeah, they went to to their past, but our future. Yes, but, that but I in, like. But like, I, I watched Star Trek Four, and I just love the eightiesness of it. Like, it's it's great. It's fun. Yeah. It's it's so, stuck in time in a beautiful like amberish way. Though to your point, Mariah, I don't mind if they go to my past, right? Like we like the Casino Royale mm-hmm. episodes and stuff like that. I don't mind that because it's I'm looking at something that goes okay. Well, this is kind of interesting too. It's just when they come to our contemporary timeline that I'm like, uh, this feels a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting, uh, Mike. To your point. Q was interesting to me. He feels a little different. Um, we talked on the um, Strange uh, Strange New World podcast about how we he's very much a jokester. The tenor doesn't sound as jokey so far. Yeah, right. He sounds serious. Yeah. He he sounds a little bit more serious. I mean, um, he did open with Capitan. He, <laughs> he did, but it he it feels different. A little um, more mustache twirly than a, li- than, a little bit more winky. mustache. Yeah. Like I, I think here's the thing we talked about before is that Q has always felt mischievous but safe. I, I'm not getting that safe vibe right now. He's right? like funeral I, blacks, you it, know, it, like <laughs> it, 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 he just like usually I think of okay, Q's gonna let it go so far and then he's gonna come in and pull you back, right? I, this time. I don't know. Like, I really don't know. Like, it just, it feels a little bit different. Sure. We'll see. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to say was the Borg queen, when she drops in, legit looks like stuff I've seen on, like, RuPaul's Drag Race at this point. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I mean, if you're going to be, like, a queen, like, I've definitely seen outfits that look like that on an episode of Drag Race. (laughs) Very queenish. She looked metal, dude. And... I think some people might have been like wondering if that is really the queen, like Thomas Hill mm. in our chat says, it was so cool to see the Borg, but that was not the queen. It was more machine than anything. Uh, when I was watching with the captions on the Borg, tra- the Borg did say, we're going to send the queen. And then uh, when the, the entity talked, it said Borg queen. So that's definitely yeah. the queen. 
I think I like Thomas. I was questioning, well, is this the queen? Mm-hmm. Because it, it was unlike anything that we were used to seeing when you talk about mm-hmm. the queen. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely looked more, it, it looked some, somewhat menacing, but it was mm-hmm. so covered. I just couldn't tell like, like how menacing was this? Um, but the whole reimagination of the Borg is interesting because I felt like if we go back to the, what we've seen of the Borg previously, the Borg is very nerdy, mm-hmm. right? It's very robotic. This looked badass. Like this yeah. looked like warrior yeah. Borg. It's like coming yeah. out, and it mm-hmm. almost reminded me of um, the Kelvin movies, like when that that ship comes out of the the like wormhole kind the first of situation. One, the mm-hmm. Romulan ship, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, that was and cool. It had a like a knight feel. Like this is a a warrior, like a medieval yeah. warrior mm-hmm. in armor. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, this is, I'm now scared of this. Also different about this Borg. um, They didn't shoot first. They didn't come to assimilate. They came to be a part of the Federation. That was the, uh, the message they were giving out the articles of whatever we want to join the Federation, Mm -hmm. which is odd, could be a trap. But when the queen boarded, she, uh, it was seven who attacked first, obviously. Or no, it was a cadet. It wasn't seven. It was a cadet. And then seven. Mm -hmm. But the queen was only stunning people. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she was like, me. I need power. And mm-hmm. like, honestly, though, it's it does like from the minute that thing was like, help us, Picard. I was like, it's a trap. Well, <laughs> but, but that's the interesting thing about this is that There's more to it. I think previously, when we think about the Borg, the Borg, don't, they don't lie. They don't trick you. Right. They just they show up and go, we're going to assimilate you like it, it's not they, they, there's no deception. But if it's this more is arrogant the Borg and they've and had to learn saying. to adapt to humans. This Kurt, is different. Yeah. Kern has a good point. Borg, ha- Borg have had to change tactics after what Janeway did to them in Endgame. I can see them adapting to survive. They're getting sneaky. But I, I have a theory. That I can't talk about right now. Okay. Because okay. it involves future episodes and we have okay. screeners and we've seen more, so we can't talk about them. No, no, but no. stay tuned next week. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love to jump to disco. So I was going to give everyone like a quick, this is your warning spoilers. Yeah. If you haven't watched discovery yet, this is your time to adios amigos. Why are you okay. listening to this? If you haven't watched disco yet, go watch it. Changing to I disco, hear Picard. Changing to disco after this noise. All right, just go now. <laughs> I'm glad I don't know what that was. We had a dance yeah. and a weird sound effect. Yeah. Um, All right, Mariah, hot freak on disco. Uh, yeah, what was it called? It was called the Rosetta. The Rosetta, and right. uh, yeah, this I really enjoyed this episode. We finally got some forward momentum into figuring out what is going on with these ten C's. They also, it's feeling very jellyfish vibes to me, mm-hmm. like from that planet, which I think mm-hmm. is really cool. I am excited because we're at the place of special effects where we can finally, perchance, be seeing aliens that are not humanoid which i'm just like they have to exist in this universe right like that has to and now we're even outside of our universe so yes give me something that does not look like anything i've ever seen before and i know the creature designers who work on this show are extremely talented so i'm like i have really high expectations about what these uh tendencies are gonna look like um i love the like sneaky sort of espionage stuff going on with uh with book and tarka trying to infiltrate the ship um i'm more excited to watch reno rip him apart now that she's on <laughs> their ship yes <laughs> um and for that confrontation to come to a head um, and I really enjoyed the time down on the planet. We got to see a new world. We got to talk about new species. We're moving the plot ahead. We got some really interesting backstory to um, uh, to Detmer, which I also liked. And it was one of the few, like, we're going to talk about my backstory moments that felt very genuine and authentic in the moment to me this season for a lot of our bridge crew. So I'm like, I was really a little peeved for a while this afternoon that I couldn't find more people talking about this episode of disco. Cause everything was like Picard, Picard, Picard. And I was like, this was a really good episode of disco. So yeah, I, I got to agree with you, Mariah. 
I really enjoyed this episode of Disco. And there were all these touch moments that really spoke to me, right? Like I love the uh, Adira wanting to get to know Detmer and being oh awed gosh. by Detmer. And, you know, you know, Jet's word of advice, hey, don't start with I, I want to be you. <laughs> yeah. Like that was perfect. I was just um, like, me trying to make friends as an adult. I'm right there with you. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's Adira. what it is. You know, here I am. I'm in L.A., you know, I'm in my and trying to make friends. Like, <laughs> I thought that was great advice. And I was like, writing it down. Okay. So fly you see good. somebody and you think they're cool. Don't say something like fly good. And don't say, <laughs> I want to be you. Got it. Um, <laughs> I, I also thought like the, the moment where she did engage her and she was able to talk that connection to your point felt genuine. Um, I thought that. Colbert being able to say, I'm not okay. We all need to be able to say that and own that after the last two years that we've been through. Right. And so when I think about all the things that they've, they've been through and being able to, to stand up and say, I'm not okay. I am trying, but I am struggling. I thought was an important message. Um, to your point, the Detmer backstory really resonated. And then I had moments that I loved and I hated, right? So here's the thing that drove me a little nuts. You have one of the most technological ships on the in in ever, right? You've got your ship is so technologically advanced, it's it's it actually is alive, right? It thinks for itself. Mm-hmm. And yet, not only can you beam onto this without anyone knowing, you can then parasite attach to it. Tarka is magic. I End will of story. Say there, yeah, <laughs> and not to jump on your your hot freak, but what I, the other thing with watching these two episodes sort of back to back is like some of the things they were using were also the same ways we used to get on and off Borg ships, like in Voyager and, mm-hmm. and like similar tech. And so I was like, Oh, we're nice. There's a nice little, a nice little through line. If you're paying attention to these mm-hmm. two things. Well, and, but the thing I did love is that moment, the moment where, where book is on the other side of the wall from Burnham and, and right before he leaves, I thought was a really great moment. And the reason why is because they're on polar opposite ends of philosophical beliefs, but he still cares. Mm -hmm. Um, They're doing things differently. They're they're for all intents and purposes, they're enemies right now. And yet you still see that he, he cares. And that's important because sometimes I think we get caught up in looking at the person and what they do. And we, we almost want to cut off because they don't move the way we want. They defy our expectations. They don't fit into the mold that we have for them. And here, what we see is we see book going, man, I really care about her. We're just, I don't know if we're going to be together, but we're on opposite ends of this. So I thought that was a really good moment. Um, I, I struggled a little bit with like the general, the earth general and Burnham kind of being on opposite ends. Like I'll be honest for me, seeing this, this trio of black characters backstab and connive behind each other's backs. I didn't love, I didn't love, I guess it's March. So it's no longer black history month. So I should be okay. But I, (laughs) I didn't love that, but, um, I understood the need to have differing viewpoints. And I was absolutely, I was shocked about Jet being in, in the brig. Um, although I thought it was cool when she was just like, Sorry. tell me I walked into a, a surprise party. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, I was like, she is the best character. <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, Oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Oh yeah. I I did enjoy this episode. Um the best thing I liked about it was how it made space for everybody to really um like that scene with um uh Colbert. Like you you, you like you said Clyde talking about how he's not okay and then the scene where everyone's um emotions came to the forefront. I really like the theme that Discovery is putting characters um up just as important as plot and story character death and exploring their their trauma and their issues 
that was extremely evident in this episode. I also love that the thrust of the episode was about, okay, we got to go and find some cultural context and a way to speak to these new aliens before we charge in telling them that we know the universe better and our, and um, asking them to stop doing what they're doing. We have to learn about them first. Um, I, I thought that was amazing. That was a, a great um, classic Star Trek idea that was brought to the forefront in this episode. Um, yeah. I, again, like last week, I didn't like the pacing of this. It just felt kind of like a slog to me, even though there were good intentions, good acting, good scenes. It just felt super slow. Maybe I just want to see these 10 C aliens already. And it's just taken a while to get there. Yeah. And I was going to say, Clyde, what I did appreciate about like kind of this triangle between like Burnham, Book Tarka, and the general is that the general is sort of acting as this like middle point of like, no, like I do believe in diplomacy and we're going to try this out, but I do want like the um, press the emergency button and know that someone's just going to like at least take this out right before it destroys my planet. <laughs> that saved it for me. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the line that she said when she says, I want to be the backup, you have to let diplomacy have a chance. Mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, that helps. That helps where she's, she's really at this point being her own character and focused on kind of her needs and, and the, and the conflict is not meaningless. It actually felt like it started to serve a purpose. Um, before that, I was like, what the hell am I looking at? Like this, it, it touched me in a place that I that was uncomfortable. And then I was like, okay, um, I'm going to trust the writers a little bit and ride with them for a little bit longer. But cut this shit out. <laughs> I, I didn't really like that, but I I, I didn't like the, the Earth representative, you know, doing that. But it did make story sense to me because she did vote against mm-hmm. diplomacy at first, right? And we do have the the ticking clock of the huge threat that Earth can be destroyed. So it, it does make character sense that she would lean that way, for sure. Yeah. I, um, I've been trying to figure out the significance, because we already have, like, such a huge ensemble cast, and the fact that we spent time um, in that scene with, like, the president and that one representative who's from um, what's his face's office, Kovic's office. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like his, his guy that he's sent, who's like supposed to be thinking about it in like the grander scheme of things. And the fact that he's like, and all know, he's playing, doing is playing Scrabble and eating Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. Like playing this game, like modern, you know, or playing like ancient Wordle. And, um, <laughs> and like, <laughs> I know it's a crossword puzzle, but I, I, I had to make an ancient Wordle joke. <laughs> it's um, Scrabble. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I'm like, oh, Gen we, Z. We this moment on, on him. And so I've been trying to figure out like what he, I feel like he's going to be of some significance or else. Why did we just spend this time being like, you got to adjust your attitude, you know, kind of thing. I don't know. What do you think about to, him? To your point, the ensemble has gotten pretty big though. Mm-hmm. I think we got a Nielsen reference and we didn't see Nielsen. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're pulling back a little bit, not sh- trying to sh- shove everybody in every episode, but, but he did get some screen time today and it does make you wonder why, yeah. right? Yeah. Like what is, what is he bringing? And, you know, but I was partly distracted because I'm terrible at crossword puzzles and I couldn't figure out that damn word. So I have a theory. <laughs> Okay. What's your theory? He's a tensy in disguise. He's not big enough. I'm, I, I'm, Those bones were huge. I can't no, well, wait to I see mean, what this is. Yeah, the, maybe they can c- transfer consciousness or something. The other yeah. thing is, I'm I'm one. I'm wondering and worrying is what if those bones and like a lot of the relics that they found were actually of a species that wiped out tensy, right? Like, what if that was like a battle space and the, the giant bones are not actually 10 And they go in with all this context about the 10 aggressors. Yes. To try to contact 10 and it backfires. Yes. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I really did like, though, this approach to kind of xenobiology and, try, and, and understanding. And the message that it, it gave was it wasn't so much about just trying to figure out how to figure out their language, right? It wasn't so much about language. 
but it was about culture, right? And finding a common ground on how we connect. And I think that's super important because when, when you're thinking about communication and, and having divergent viewpoints, it's so important to figure out where your common ground stands. And so Burnham spending the time to be able to then go and say, okay, well, we too care about our young. We too, like, you know, we want you to stop because we have, we are a society that cares and tries to protect our growing species. So I, I felt like that was great. But then I also love the fact that Saru came in and said, yeah, but just because you have that common ground, that's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I thought that there's, there's so many of these little moments in here that were just kind of profound. And that's what I love about Star Trek is it's, it's almost one, there's the philosophical, man, how do I take what I just saw in an aspirational way and apply that to my life? So great. Maybe if I'm having conflict with somebody at work, let's think about common ground. But also, you know, might they also <laughs> it might not be enough, but they also snuck in a little bit of like, hey, let me tell you about Ro- Rosetta, the Rosetta Stone and why it's called Rosetta Stone and what that means. And we'll just give you a little bit of, of history. So now that if you're ever talking about how we, you know, were able to translate hieroglyphics, you now know it took two languages and we found like, I, I, I like that. I'm a bit of a history mm-hmm. buff. I kind of like that stuff. So yeah, I thought it, I thought it was great. You guys are are making me recontextualize this episode and appreciate it more. Thank you. Huzzah. <laughs> I think I, I think I needed that. I think I needed that for this yeah. one. Yeah, I also really um I thought, you know, you said something about the pacing, Mike, but I kind of enjoyed it was a little bit, there was a sense of urgency that's been placed on it because now we have the ticking clock, which I think helped the pacing feel more urgent throughout, right? But then we also had like I, I always appreciate a few moments of levity, like the when Linus comes in and it's just like, it's making steamed bananas. Mm-hmm. Like we got to go fix these replicators. And then you get Reno who's like drinking uh, a Klingon warrior beverage, which I was trying to, I needed to go back. Was she actually drinking prune juice? Cause I know that there's like <clears throat> that joke with Worf. I think she had a Rectagino, didn't she? Oh, okay. That might've that been it. it. Yeah. yeah. Hold the nutmeg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I thought that was kind of, and I, I also really liked the Reno and um, Adira moment together as well when Reno is giving some solid advice on how to to make friends. But uh, I like seeing these sort of smaller circles and like these moments where you see the crew caring for each other in even in these like huge moments of potential universal catastrophe it's still like we can take a beat and take care of each other like the way that burnham had like the specific um it's like a caribbean drink for uh for colber when he comes in and he's like oh this tastes like home like i'm gonna now i feel more at ease i can talk to you a little bit more about how i'm feeling about stuff and and how even i'm potentially not going to be okay all the time you know to your point mariah the drinks in both of these episodes today were significant, right? One of the ways in Picard that we we truly understood this was a completely different time period, like this was a completely different experience, is when Harvey... Uh, hold on, hold on. Okay. I think that's the second episode. Okay. Yeah. So we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah, yeah. I was like, are you talking about the hooch when uh, when yes, Picard is like, it, that's exactly it's not top shelf. It's time for hooch. Yeah. Um, yes. I was oh, like, uh, I don't know who Harvey is. So yeah. we've uh, obviously gone off the train here. On I- uh, on another note, uh, Choopy is confirming what I thought that steam bananas was a lower decks reference. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because the um, replicator is making steam bananas in that one episode. There's oh, yeah. a, a really good um, interview with Tawny Newsom that just came out this week uh, where she talks about how she's like constantly campaigning for there to be a Lower Decks movie that's like primarily all the live action actors. But then Hell she yeah. also mentioned how all of the Trek rooms are in communication with each other to like Ooh. be able to do references like that, <laughs> so yes. that they, yes. to prove that Lower Decks is canon and like all that of these different great. things. And I was like, I love it so much. I'm with it. <laughs> I would love it. it. That cast is stellar. It would be hilarious. And 
Um, everybody, if you love Jack Quaid, if you love Boimler, watch the new Scream. He owns it. He's so funny. Oh, yeah. well, we have a uh, very disparaging different views about the new Scream movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was, a, I thought was Quaid fun. was fine, but yeah, yeah was, he's hilarious. It was fun. I was drunk when I watched it. Okay. I think that is key. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, Jasmine, what's her name was great. She, I thought she stole it actually. Okay. Um, well, we're past the hour. Uh, I'm super I'm not happy. Talking about disco. <laughs> All right, fine. Mariah's <laughs> got more in the disco tank. Bring it. Well, I, anyway, I, I was going to just bring up the fact, so like the powder and like the pheromones and the idea that even mm. once we leave a place or leave something, like we are leaving our trauma and our emotions and, and there are things that go beyond like your history. So these creatures, they didn't leave any actual like, quote unquote relics right but what's even more powerful than a relic it's like our emotions and our connections and and essentially humanity right like what's at the core of of all of this humanity you know in quotes to represent the larger like spectrum across uh star trek but yeah that's it that's fine i guess i'm excited i'm 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 stoked i really enjoyed the episode <laughs> awesome well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be back soon uh, next Thursday to cover some more Picard, some more disco. Um, Mariah, tell people how they can uh, find us and help us out. Yeah, so you can visit StarTrekPod.co to find links to where you can listen to or watch uh, the podcast, how you can find the live stream. There's also links to our Patreon there. So if you would like to support us and join us in our Slack community, which is a great place to be. I know tonight they're doing a late night watch along of uh some stargate correct clyde that is uh, episodes so season one episode seven all right some adjacent uh sci-fi material maybe we'll have to do some some 12 monkeys since that's the other showrunner on picard now mm-hmm. uh which i think could be fun uh but yeah you can visit us star trek pod.co or patreon.com slash star trek pod clyde I was just going to say there's so many Star Trek characters who show up in various shows that the adjacency is huge. Um, I was watching Justified because, well, it's a great show. And Robert Picardo showed up early in the first (laughs) season. And I was like, ah, there we go. They're they're everywhere. Um, So, yeah, come hang out with us at Patreon um, and we can do some Star Trek adjacent stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, and if you want to continue to follow what we're doing, check us out at Star Trek Pod. You can hang out with us on Instagram and Twitter um, and give a quick shout out to Karen, who runs our Twitter. What's up, Karen? Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, everyone. We'll be back next week. Live long and prosper. Bye.